You are listening to Better Golf Academy with me, Hanju Lee. This is episode 8. Well, hello everyone. Okay, here's the thing. We all want to get better at golf. But for whatever the reason, our game just doesn't improve. Sound familiar? Okay, well, I'm here to share the best secrets of improving your score. This podcast is not about giving you swing techniques or swing tips, but it's about giving you specific strategies, a tangible plan, and fun ways to improve your score. So welcome to Better Golf Academy Podcast. You ready? All right, here we go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Better Golf Academy Podcast. I am your host, Hanju Lee, and I want to say thank you for spending your time with me today. I feel honored that you found me somehow and that you decided to give me a shot at listening to my podcast, and I feel grateful for some of you even letting me know that you're really enjoying the podcast. This this means a lot and keeps me moving forward in being inspired to keep coming up with new content for you. Hey, something significant happened last week. Do you guys know what happened? Okay, they're comparing this event to its being like an equal significance to putting a man on the moon. They called it the last great barrier of modern athletics. And that barrier was broken last week. It was a historical event. And they said it will probably never will happen in our lifetime. But it did last week. Oh my gosh. You're going to be so inspired here. Have a listen. Neil Armstrong we had on the moon in 1969. We had Roger Bannister, the four-minute mile 65 years ago. Edmund Hillary, the first man to climb Everest in 1953. We have one minute to go. Elliot Kipchoge is on his way here. It's this, humble, this humble farmer who used to run two miles to school every day and back. He used to go to the nearest town on his bike to sell milk at the local market. And now, through hard work and discipline, he's pointing. Come on, he says. Elliot Kipchoge has the hand of history on his shoulder. He has less than 200 meters to go. Elliot Kipchoge, let's keep an eye on the clock. Into the final 20 seconds. Elliot Kipchoge. Got his shoulder. 140. Oh, oh, oh. 140. The unofficial oh, time. There's his wife. Elliot, Elliot Kipchoge storms into the history books in Vienna. 159.40. The unofficial time. The first man to run a marathon in under two hours. One final lung-busting stride for Kipchoge. One giant leap for human endeavour. And you know, Kipchoge was right. No human is limited, and now he can celebrate. He has done it. He has done it. So, wow. So inspiring. Do you know how inspired I was? I was so inspired that I was determined to do my own sub-two-hour race as well um, last Sunday at Long Beach. It was a marathon, but I ran the half. (laughs) I've been training, and my goal was to come in before the two-hour mark, just like Aylwood Kipchoge. So 
Here is my running strategy, okay? I've noticed that over the years, in the beginning of the race, I have this huge adrenaline that's built up. And I can just explode out of the starting line at a very fast pace. So this means I can really take advantage of getting ahead and banking the minutes that I gain from the adrenaline, okay? So then... I figure when I run out of that adrenaline, I can slow down to my regular pace and finish the race under the average of my standard pace, which totally makes sense to me, right? So yeah, so while it didn't work out too well, I was like 10 minutes ahead of my pace at like mile six. So I was doing an hour and 50 minute pace for the half marathon, but I was really, really hurting and I couldn't really keep that pace going. So eventually... I slowed down, um, and I watched the hour and 50 pacer group pass me, and then eventually the two-hour pacer group passed me, and then um, I was trying to make sure that two 10 uh, pacers wouldn't pass me, so I finished kind of somewhere in between 207. <laughs> Seven minutes slower than I wanted to, and you know, that wasn't fun because I was literally pushing myself so hard that I was in pain most of the run. So what did I learn? I learned that strategy matters and that for my next race, which is a half marathon in Las Vegas next month, I will come up with a different strategy and I will let you know how it goes, okay? <laughs> All right, well, speaking of strategy, you know what we're going to talk about today, right? The par threes. I want to give you some insights on how to best play the par threes to help you reduce your blowups. But before we go there, I want to thank one of my listeners. His name is Rob, and he listens from Pyeongtaek, Korea. Um, hi, Rob. 안녕하세요. Um, he writes, golf made simple. I listen to quite a few golf podcasts, and I enjoy many of them. Though I must say, I enjoy Hanju's podcast most of all. What? Me? The reason being is that his approaches is for regular, everyday people. And when he talks, I don't feel like I need a golf thesaurus. I'm definitely a fan. Okay, seriously, this is one of my favorite reviews because that's exactly my purpose, to connect and speak to regular, everyday you because... I feel like that's who I am too, just a regular everyday dude. So, Rob, thank you for listening and thank you for your kind words. Um, let's talk about par threes. How do you feel about them? Do you know how most golfers feel about the par threes? They don't talk about them with a lot of joy and admiration. <laughs> well, why? Because the most amazing signature holes on golf courses are like par threes. And also, think about it. Par 3 is really a par 4 that you've already hit a perfect drive on. You hit it right down the middle and you have a perfect lie and the best angle going into the approach shot. How hard can it be? Okay, well, let's look at some professional tour stats, okay? Par 5's pro score 4.67 average score, which is below par. Nice. Okay, par fours, pro score 4.04 average score, which is slightly over par. And the par threes, pro score 3.07 average score, which shows 
that it's what pros mostly struggle with. Well, why? In theory, shouldn't you be able to score better than the par fours? Because you essentially hit a perfect drive. Well, here's what you might not know. Okay, par threes, if you look at the overall design of the golf courses, yes, they might be the most amazing signature holes, but they are also most guarded. They sometimes have the smallest greens compared to other holes. They have more bunkers around them, typically compared to other holes, and they definitely love to add hazards around them. And the architects tend to make the par threes harder because they think we have an advantage because we get to tee it up and have a perfect lie and angle to the green. So what's our goal? We need to outsmart the architects and we need to do our homework and walk up to the shot confident and prepared. I play at a local course here called San Juan Hills in Sacramento, which is a great course. I really love the layout. The condition is always awesome and it's, it's a great value for what you get out of it. And right now the greens are just perfect and we've been really enjoying the course. The uniqueness of this particular course is that the 18th hole is a par three. So a lot of times when I'm in a match with my friends and we we're going like neck to neck and end up tying going into the 18th, it creates a very interesting finish. For one, there's so much pressure built up on one shot, which is the tee shot, which can determine whether you win or lose pretty quickly. And second, the strategy and how you play the shot becomes very different depending on where you are at on the match. It's a very different club selection and approach if you need to go for it for the birdie to win or play it safe to remain in the lead. So I found myself many times on the 18th tee contemplating on what shot to make. So I've organized some thoughts on how best to approach and think about the shot and also what to look for that will best serve you well because you want to win, right? Okay. So here are my three thoughts on how to best play the par threes. Okay, number one, get all the facts. Okay, I don't know about you, but I love technology and the advancements in our technology has given us so much information. We sometimes don't even know what to do with it all. So during my round, I have an app that I use called Golf Shot Plus, which shows the layout of the hole and every yardage you'll ever need. You can even drag your finger on a certain spot on the GPS hole layout and it'll tell you exactly how far it is. Um, it will also tell you the yardage to all the problem areas as well as all the dimensions of the green. It will also make you an amazing cup of coffee with the press of a button. Oh wait, just kidding. Okay, on the side note, um, I've so far recorded about 247 rounds on this app, logging in every score uh, every hole, every fairway hit, every bunkers hit, every shot I've penal been penalized with, every green in regulation, every putt, and every cup of coffee I drank. <laughs> okay. Also, with this app, um, I also use a range finder with, with slope, okay? So to determine my exact yardage to the flag. The mistake we can make on our par three is that we just shoot the pin with our rangefinder, figure out the exact yardage, and select our club. Line up, pull the trigger. So I say wait. Before we do that, let's study the hole a bit more. Before we pull the trigger, let's get all of our facts. So 
what facts will I need to prepare for my shot? And this, these are the things that I look for. Okay, yardage to the front of the green, yardage to the back of the green, and yardage to the pin. Also, I look around for hazards. I heard it said that when you start thinking about hazards, your ball will magically go towards it and in it. So it's better to imagine that it doesn't even exist. Well, I don't believe in that concept. It's like when I was a kid and thought that there was a boogeyman living underneath my bed. And instead of guessing and being freaked out about it all night, I will lean down, shine the flashlight to make sure he's not there that night, right? Okay, so I want to get all the yardage to the hazard that will come into play. So why are these yardages so important? I mean, really, don't, don't I just need to know the yardage to the pin? No, and here's why. Because you are not a machine. You don't hit a perfect shot every time to the exact same distance. You are a human being. You make errors, especially on the golf course, especially when the pressure is on. And especially on the par three with so many distractions and barriers. So what will I do with these yardage that I just collected? Think through some scenarios in your head. Okay. Think through the best case scenarios, the average case scenarios. Okay. But don't think about the worst case scenario because you can't really prepare yourself for that. Okay. So what do I mean by the best and average case scenario? Well, best case scenario is when I swing as hard as I can and hit it right on the sweet spot and the shot goes to the maximum distance I intended for. The average case scenarios are putting an average control swing that goes a little less than the full best scenario shot. So let's look at some of the examples and figure out the best educated approach to the shot. Okay. Here's a simple scenario. Okay, I approach a par three to the front of the green is 140 yards. The back of the green is 160, okay? Pin placements in the front of the green tucked behind the left bunker with the huge lip that I want to avoid and that's around 145 yards. Okay, to clear the bunker, I'll need to hit at least 142 yards. Okay, what should be my thought process? Well, where's the pin? Pin is at 150 yards, okay? So what should be my thought process? Okay, three things. Number one, would I rather miss it short or miss it long? Number two, would I rather miss it left or miss it right? Number three, how am I feeling right now? Okay, so now let's look at this case one step further. Okay, number one, would I rather miss it short or miss it long? In this case, because the bunker with the big lip is on the left side, if I miss it short, there's a possibility of my next shot being in a bunker, okay? So I would rather miss it long. So in that question, would I rather miss it short or long? My answer is I would rather miss it long. Number two, would I rather miss it left or miss it right? So if I miss it left, I have a really difficult short chip shot with not much green to work with and a deep rough. Okay, if I miss it right, I'll have a long putt, but I'm still putting. So my answer to that, I would rather miss it right. Okay, third, how am I feeling right now? I am feeling pretty good. I've been hitting 
good shots all day. So now that I got all the facts, I am now ready to pick a club and a place to aim. But before we do that, keep in mind point number two. And this is point number two. Know your club distances. Okay, now I'm going to assume you guys know your club distances pretty well. This is super duper important. I know some of us have a pretty good idea from working on the driving range, but on the course is a lot different. Study shows that there's a huge discrepancy between an old range ball hit from a grass versus a new fresh Titleist like Pro V or something. Um, it's like 10 yards on some clubs. That's a discrepancy. And there's even a significant difference between ball hit off the mat versus ball that was hit off the grass. Matt goes further. So I would highly encourage you to get a true measurement of your club distances. And I think the best way for me is to measure when I'm on the course playing. I'm always keeping track of how far each of my club travels. And the best way to do this is after getting an accurate distance to the flag, pay attention to where your ball ends up on the green versus how well you hit it. It also helps to record this on your app or, or log that you keep. This is really, really important. So now based on what you know about how far you hit each club, choose it based on what you've observed from all the facts about the hole. And let's go back to the same hole example, okay? So to the front is 140 yards, to the back is 160 yards. Pin placement, let's say it's in the front of the green, tucked behind the left bunker with the huge lip that I want to avoid at 145 yards. Okay, to clear the bunker, I need to hit it at least 142 yards. What should be my thought process? Well, I hit my 7 iron 150 yards on average. If I swing hard and hit it well, I can hit it 155 yards. I can hit my 8 iron 140 yards, but if I swing hard and hit it well, I can get it to 145. So the choice is really simple. Hit a 7 iron. If I miss it short, I will carry 142 bunker. And if I hit it well and long, I'm still within the birdie range. However, if I hit an 8 iron thinking that I will hit my best shot at 145 to clear the bunker, and end up below the hole, which is ideal for a birdie putt, it's riskier and ideally, it's harder shot to pull off. Also, it's important to aim a bit right to first avoid the bunker altogether and also to avoid missing left to leave yourself with a tough chip. So choose your best approach using the facts you've collected and also knowing your yardage and the confidence you have in your shot. Yeah? Okay, number three, make your par and move on. Okay, this goes back to episode seven, talking about your expectations. Par threes aren't made for you to aggressively attack and gain strokes for your round. Don't have expectation going into par threes other than to make par and move on. Make decisions on shots that will give you the best chance at par, not your best chance at birdie. If you're aiming directly at the pin, at the direct distance, not paying attention to anything around you, you'll end up in more trouble than it's worth. It's just not worth the risk. You're falling into the trap that the architects created for you. Outsmart them. Know this. You are smarter than them. You are one step ahead of them. 
And by golly, you are so much better looking than them. Okay? Hey, if there are any course architects out there listening, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm sure you're good looking too. But am I right about making par threes more difficult than the rest? Hmm? So in summary, remember, when you're approaching the par threes, Number one, get all the facts. Do your homework. Get all the yardages and ask these three simple questions. Would I rather miss it long or short? Would I rather miss it right or left? And how am I hitting the ball right now? This will help you determine your best club choice. And number two, know your club distance. This is crucial to improving your game. If you don't know how far your shot goes, you're just shooting in the dark and hoping for the best. That's just not a good strategy. Agreed? And number three, set your expectations to make par and move on. It's icing on the cake if you hit the ball close and make birdie. But for the most cases, you want to play it smart to avoid a disastrous double or a triple bogey. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes there's a perfect opportunity on the par three to just go after it. Right at the hole without any fear. And you know when that will be. But for the most part, you need to play it safe. So let's put all that together to play your best round by really playing these par threes smart. Be one step ahead and know when and how to best play the each par threes. So I hope this inspires you to go back out there and conquer your fears on the par threes. I know you have a hole in mind that's been a barrier for you. Well, just like what happened last week, an equal significance to putting a man on the moon. All right, let's break that barrier. Let's make historical event just like what Eliwood Kipchoge did running a sub two marathon, but in your golf game by conquering your par threes, which obviously is much more difficult than a silly marathon, right? Your friends will say it won't happen in your lifetime, but I believe in you. Let's do this. Hey, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please don't forget to leave me a review. I will give you a shout out on my next episode. But in the meantime, thanks for listening to Better Golf Academy Podcast. I really appreciate you being here. I really, really do. So it's ciao for now. Talk to you next time.